You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, how are we doing, tribe? Yeah. How many of you join me in thanking God for an extra hour of sleep today? Right on? <laughs> Man, that is awesome. So uh, I want to welcome all of you who are guests, those of you that are worshiping in the video cafe, as well as those of you that are worshiping online. You know, I've always been a little bit fascinated by the original names of celebrities. So there was this guy, Peter Gene Hernandez, and he wanted to make a difference in the musical world. So he changed his name to... Bruno Mars. This is Bruno. And then there was uh, another guy, Joaquin Rafael Bottom. Uh, great last name there, Bottom, you know, kind of like the grocery chain. But uh, anyways, he wanted to make a difference in the acting world. So he changed his name to Joaquin Phoenix. It's Joaquin Phoenix. And then there was probably the more well-known Joanne Angelina Germanata, and she wanted to make an impact uh, and, and make a difference not only in the acting world, but also in the world of music. And that is who we know today as Lady Gaga, for sure. And you know, in the Bible, uh, names are actually even more intentional than in our culture. Oftentimes, the biblical names will say something about the character of a person and the situation of a person. Now, more on that in just a minute, but those of you that are coming for the first time today, we've been in the, in the midst of a series where we've made this one statement every week, and it's simply this. Um, we're a city tribe who helps people who feel far from God do four things. Let's say them out loud together. You ready? Here we go. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And you know, sometimes when God has a higher purpose for his people, in the Bible, he gives them a new name to show how they're going to make a difference in the world. We see this with an older man named Abram. Abram was this old dude whose you know, wife couldn't get pregnant, and they were getting to the age where they weren't going to be able to have children at all. And, uh, you know, Abram is thinking about Cialis or, you know, Viagra and his wife is thinking about Clomid or something like that. So God steps in and look at what the Lord said in Genesis 17, five and six. He says, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. And so God is saying, you're, you're no longer Abram, but you're Abraham, which means the father of many nations. And he was very fruitful. Now look a few verses later at what God says regarding Abraham's wife at that time, Sarai. He says, Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and I will give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. And Sarah actually means like princess, like she's the mother of many nations. And Abraham and Sarah 
together, God spoke to them, gave them new names, gave them a child, and from that child came an entire nation, Israel. And Israel is significant to salvation history because when you fast forward to the New Testament of the Bible and Matthew's gospel account, one of the first things he mentions about the lineage of Jesus is that Jesus was descended from Abraham. We have salvation today because Abraham and Sarah made a difference and had a name change. If you fast forward to the New Testament, you would see a guy by the name of Simon. Now, I got to tell you about Simon because Simon was kind of like the Michael Scott of the New Testament, okay? Anybody watch The Office here? Okay, uh, Simon was insecure and he had to talk a lot. He just talked, 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 talk, you know. Uh, but then Jesus spoke into his life in John chapter one, look at verse 42. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus says, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, let me show you another verse where Jesus speaks into him, and this is now Matthew 16, 18. I tell you that you are Peter on this rock. I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And Peter made a difference even that impacts us today. It went from a small movement of people, the church that he helped to found, uh, and, and it became the largest religion in all the world. And it took place at a name change. He's, his name means rock. It's like a foundation. Now, throughout this series, I've mentioned that we would have a significant announcement for you today at this service. And I'm just going to come right out with it. We're having a name change here of our church. We're changing the name of our church. And you say, why a church name change? And I'm the last one that wanted a name change. But let me explain to you uh, why this is taking place. Some of you, certainly not all of you, know that we uh, were planted here by the Bandera Road City Church and have been under their organizational umbrella. And we've been in conversations for about two years now about acknowledging and formalizing how we're already functioning like two independent churches. And we've both come to terms with the fact that their support staff is overworked trying to support uh, their church and our church. They have a, a very large church over there that they're trying to support. And at the same time, our church has grown to a point where we need more focused attention. Therefore, we've mutually agreed it's more practical for everyone involved that we downtown become a separate 501c3 organization from the Bandera Road City Church. Now, I want to be utterly clear on this one thing, that there is absolutely no relational, theological, or philosophical division between our church and the Bandera Road City Church. Some of you know that I was one of the four founding pastors of the Bandera Road City Church. I love it, and I will always love it. I've served a majority of my ministry career at the Bandera Road City Church alongside many of the staff members who continue to serve there today. Furthermore, Pastor Brent, the senior pastor of the Bandera Road City Church, is the pastor who did the bulk of the work in helping to restore me into the ministry many years 
ago. And I consider Pastor Brent to be a lifelong friend and a dear brother in the Lord. So much so that I've asked Pastor Brent to be one of the overseers for our church here to hold me accountable as a pastor. So if I start going crazy, you guys can just call Pastor Brent. He'll come down here and open up a can on me and uh, set me straight. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so we love uh, that church. And I just want to say that BRCC will always be honored here because they planted us. Without that church, we're not here. And they're currently cheering us on as we become an independent church and continue to grow. And so here's the way we see it, is that we're connected by love, not legality. Would you say that with me out loud? We're connected by love, not legality. And we will continue to partner with them in a lot of different ministry endeavors. So most of what you see around here really isn't going to change that much. But at first, we felt like we could just keep the name City Church. Uh, but that didn't work out. Um, uh, you know, uh, we know that city is a significant word to the ethos of our church. But when J Jake Kreifels, our executive pastor, started down the road to creating a new 501c3 organization, he found out that that process would go a lot more efficiently if we had a more unique name. Some of you know that City Church around the United States is actually a, a pretty common name. And there have been like three, to my knowledge, different City Churches in San Antonio, not just in the City Church Network, but others outside of our network. So um, we needed to come up with something a little bit more unique. In addition to that, uh, the Bandera Road City Church owns the majority of the naming collateral related to City Church. So they own city.church and citychurch.com and on and on I could go. They wisely bought up all of that. So we started the process of creating a new church name. And what I told our team was, guys, you can name it whatever you want. However, we got to have the word city in it. Because some of you know that over 11 years ago, I believe God spoke a word to me about the city to not only move my family down here, but to plant a church down here. And some of you have heard the story, and I'll tell it again since I hadn't told it in a couple of years, is how God planted my family down here to live down in the inner city. At that time, we were frustrated. We couldn't sell our suburban house. And then we saw a house that would work out down here in the heart of the city. And when it was like a kick in the gut when someone else got that house under contract, well, to make a long story short, we were just about to give up. And a friend of ours had it, and this is going to be weird to some of you that are new to church, but a friend of ours had a dream. And in her dream, she said she saw us anointing the house with oil, anointing, I'll explain what that means in a minute, uh, anointing the house with oil and blessing it and praying for it. And so I didn't want to do that at first. I kind of rolled my eyes and thought it was a crazy thing to do. But uh, Jeannie and I decided to go and do it. We drive over there to this house that someone else had under contract. Before we get, got over there, we stopped by a Walgreens and bought some cooking oil because, see, they were, they were out of house anointing oil that day. So... <laughs> Anyways, we got some cooking oil, and I don't know how to anoint a house. We just shake it in the yard or whatever, you know, and I don't know what to do. And my son's yelling out the window of the car, you're trespassing. You guys are trespassing. You know that. You're trespassing. <laughs> so I figure, what, what, what do you do? So I just stick my finger in the oil, you know, and I think, okay, well, in Passover in the Bible, they rub something on the doorframe. So I went up to the doorframe while I'm trespassing on the front porch and I rub oil on the doorframe there and I take my wife's hand and I pray, God, I pray that you would bless the people that own this house. 
Bless the people that have this house under contract right now. Bring your kingdom here. And if you would want us to live here, we'd gladly receive it. And we get into our car. I get a phone call from our realtor. She says, Doug, I think this is a God thing. The people that had your house under contract just backed out. And I put a contract in for you. You now have this house under contract. And my wife starts crying. I may have leaked a little bit of testosterone there. (laughs) And my son's in the back seat. He shrugs. He's like, "Ah, I got to admit, I've just experienced a miracle. (laughs) And remember, the word that God gave me was city. And guess which street I live on? Let me show you a picture of my street sign. Live on city street. And so sometimes God gives you encouragement to show you when you're discouraged that you're on the right track, you're doing the right thing. And that was a big jolt of energy for us to continue to follow God and what he asked us to do to live and plant a church down in the heart of the city. Now, back to our church name, uh, the process of changing, uh, thinking about our name, we involve consultants from inside and outside the church. And one of the things that we realized was that tribe is a significant word to the culture of our church. We already call the big gathering, welcome to the tribe, you know, um, and we're seeking to live in these interdependent community groups. And, you know, there's some things that you have to get consultation on. There's consultants, consultation, and then there's conviction. And the word tribe is a conviction for us here. It's not just a word. We're not going to put our finger to the wind and see what's popular. We're going to go with convictions of our hearts that are based on the Bible. And I'm assuring you that the word tribe best captures what the Bible's getting at in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, where it says, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the way we want to live. We don't want to live as lone rangers. We want to live in community, in interdependent, loving, caring, giving to each other. And that's why recently in some of these services, I've referenced the Sebastian Younger book. That is, it's not a Christian book, but I was fascinated by it. It's called Tribe on Homecoming and Belonging. And he shows how many of the early American settlers were leaving their settlements to go live with the Native American tribes because the Native Americans got it right in the way that they connect with each other and live in interdependent community and seldom would the Native American people leave and join the settlements and live in isolation. And so we're not tribalism that excludes and marginalizes other people or lobs bombs at other tribes, but rather we're a welcoming and inclusive community of love. You know, we want to be like that 80s sitcom where you walk in and it's a place where everybody knows my name, you know? So we put the two words city and tribe together, and from this day forward, we will be known as city tribe. I know that's a big surprise, right? (laughs) But you can say that you were a part of the first day of the city tribe. Is anybody on board with that one? Yeah, right on. Yes. You're a part. You're a part. Now, 
It was so important to us to get our logo right that we enlisted the help of Brent Couchman. He's a designer that grew up in this area, but because of all of his work was in California with like Apple and Facebook and Google and uh, companies like that, uh, he had to move Moniker Design Studios to San Francisco where they have become experts at shaping visual identities. And one of the things in the process that Brent was able to draw out of our team was that the eagle is significant imagery to our church. And here's why. Because amongst a lot of our volunteers and our staff team, we read this little inspirational book. And the little inspirational book had picture of these snakes that were wrapped around the ankles of people in the world. And the snakes had a name. The snakes were called shame. And the shame would hold people down and keep them from moving forward toward God in their relationship with him. And in the inspirational book, there were these other characters known as the eagles. And the eagles came down and they ate the snakes of shame so that it freed people up to move forward in their relationships with God. And so eagles eat the snakes of shame. And so there are all kinds of eagle logos out there. You guys know that. I mean, there's, of course, the United States of America, um, you know, in the Marines. If you get to be a colonel, you'll get a little pin that has like an eagle emblem on it. There's, of course, the Mexican flag eagle. One of my favorites is like the rock band, the Ramones eagle, you know. Uh, But we wanted a unique looking eagle that spoke of the mission and biblical imagery of the eagle. And so we'll show you all the iterations of our new logo on screen there. And one of the things you'll notice is that the lines in the logo were inspired by Mexican folk art to capture the essence of the city in which we live. And the wings are actually in the shape of open hands because we're open and welcoming to all people to come and have their shame removed by the gospel. And so I thought I'd sport the new logo shirt here uh, today. And so as you look at this eagle, I want you to reflect upon the biblical truths regarding the eagle. This is why we've, we've patterned it this way. The eagle symbolizes trusting the Lord to endure and elevate. This comes from Isaiah's book, chapter 40, verse 30. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Look at this. They will soar high on wings like what? Eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And David chimes in on this in the Psalms. Look at Psalm 103.5. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed. Like what? The eagles. That's who we are. We're elevating, right? And we're rising. And that's you. You know what else? Eagles have great vision. Eagles have eight times the vision of the normal human being. And an eagle can spot and see clearly an object the size of a rabbit from over three miles away. And eagles can rise to 10,000 feet in the air. And a lot of times, eagles will rise above the clouds of a storm, and they can lock in their wings and just rest and coast up there. And this is why Job 39, 27 says, 
Is it at your command that the eagle rises to the heights? And brothers and sisters, you are going to be rising to greater heights spiritually as you're part of this tribe. The eagle symbolizes the rescue of God. This is a key to Jewish history because when the people of God needed God's help the most, he came to rescue them from Egyptian bondage and slavery. Look at what the scriptures say in Exodus 19.4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on what? eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So I want to focus in on that last sentence there. I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Could we say that out loud together? Here we go. Ready? I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, I've often thought about this when I've been watching and rewatching the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies, you know, because my son and I watch and rewatch those every year. We just love them. And so we started them like last night again uh, because we love watching these stories together. I'm sorry if you're not into that kind of movie. I'll pray for you that God will do a great work in your life that you will be. But there's a line from those movies, from those stories, that's significant. At the 11th hour, when he, the, the, their help is needed the most. There's this line, it's, the eagles are coming. The eagles are coming. Let me show you one of the clips where this takes place. Take a look. that awesome? That's who we are, right? We're coming to help. Right on? So check this out. Yes. So let's, let's do a, a little thing together. Um, let's say the eagles are coming together. Ready? Here we go. The eagles are coming. Good. Now, in the scene that you just saw, there's the evil Lord Sauron, who kind of represents Satan. And he's got his demons, the orcs, right? And in that scene, uh, Sauron and the orcs were going to take over all of Middle Earth. They were going to kill all the other life forms that were in existence there. You know, Gandalf, the hobbits, the elves, the dwarves, and all of them. But the eagles came to help so that they could take the evil ring of power and destroy it at Mount Doom. And as one has said, and cast it back into the fiery chasm from whence it came, right? Uh, that is exactly what the eagles helped to do. And look, whether or not you like Lord of the Rings, I want you to understand this. God's chosen instrument to carry people to himself is the church of the living God. And that's who we are. We're here to eat the snakes of shame and carry people to God so that they can know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. You, my friends, are the eagles. So when I say, I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself, I want you to say, the eagles are coming with passion and conviction. Are you ready? Here we go. I carried you... And uh, on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. The eagles are coming. Yes, I feel so good. So we're going to do this again. So that's going to be our little thing, right? I'm going to say, I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And you're going to say, the eagles are coming. So, so 
so I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell some stories. And at the end of the stories, we'll do our little thing together. Okay, you ready? And even if you're in the cafe, you have to do it too. We want to be able to hear you all the way over here. So um, I want to show you a picture. And this picture is uh, Jessica, or not Jessica, uh, Christina, and then Jackie. And Jackie is on the right there. And Jackie, along with her husband and Mike, they started this tribe here called The Bridge. And a lot of you have gone and served under The Bridge with Mike and Jackie to, to serve folks there. Well, one of the first nights that they were serving, uh, the, the woman there, Christina, was kind of standing outside the gate. And uh, she felt self-conscious. She felt shame. She didn't want to come in and receive food and clothing like everyone was doing. And so like the eagle that she is, Jackie opened her hands and spread her wings and went to her and listened to her story and found out that she was ashamed to come in because she was ashamed of her homelessness. She was ashamed of having done sex work. She was ashamed of a past drug addiction. And before the end of that night, Jackie ended up with her arms around Christina and another volunteer, and the tears were flowing as God was moving and working. See, it's like God, through Jackie, was saying to Christina, I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Yes, and so what I want you to know and what we want to say together to all the Christinas that are out there that feel ashamed like they can't come in, we're coming for you. We see you. We know that our good God hears your cries and we're coming for you, are we not? Yes. So let me, let me show you this. There was a, recently had a peel the onion retreat. And so I want to show you a picture of all the folks that went through the hard work of that process and the eagles of the volunteers that help take people through their recovery process and get freedom. And how many of you know that a lot of us have received these words on us, these names on our lives that are negative, you know, like you're a loser, you're worthless, you're ugly, you're a pervert, all these things. And these things are not true when you're in Christ. And so they went through the process. God did an amazing work of healing on the recovery retreat. And now you'll see in the next picture, people holding up the signs of their new names of who they are in Christ. And I wanted to repeat the story of a woman who went through one of our last uh, Peel the Onion processes. Her name is Jessica, and she said, I grew up in a household where abuse of drugs and alcohol and abuse of each other was normal. My mom would frequently tell me that she wanted to abort me. Can you imagine that? My tribe, even though they knew the worst things about me, things that I held with great, here's that word again, shame like the extent of the abuse and the most terrible things I had done, they loved me still. And they had unconditional love for me through Christ. The greatest thing I got through my tribe was worthiness, a deep value that only God could give. And it's like her recovery leader helped her like an eagle to embrace her new name, her new identity, which is I am a worthy and peaceful child of God. It's like God said through that group and that volunteer leader, I carried you. It's like saying to Jessica, I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Yes. And so it's like everywhere there are Jessicas that are hurting with the story of pain. We are coming for them. We are coming for you. If you feel shame and hurt that you can't come in, we're saying we're coming for you. And can I just tell you one more? 
recently uh, next door at the cafe, one of our homeless friends, one of our friends that lives on the street, came into the cafe and through a misunderstanding, he thought he was being accused of being a thief by one of our volunteers. And that was a total misunderstanding. That wasn't at all what was happening, but he started to get upset and he started to yell and cuss and escalate the situation. Well, meanwhile, one of our safety team members, Zach, was on his way. And some of us knew that Zach has this extensive training like in martial arts and he's been on several tours of duty in the Middle East and understands anti-terrorism and anti-terrorism security. He's got all this training and all these accolades. I could go on and on and on and on. Dude can handle himself. I'll just tell you that. And as this guy from the streets started to escalate things more and more, we thought this is the day, Pastor Humby told us, this is the day that we see Zach open up a can on some dude. But like the eagle that he is, I want to show you what Zach did. He opened his hands, spread his wings, and embraced that dude as he broke down in Zach's arms in tears and love. And it was like God was saying to that man through Zach, I've carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And as there are people, listen, as there are people on the streets and all over this city that feel forgotten, brushed off, walked by, we're coming for them as eagles do. But you know, one of the things that eagles do before they elevate is they lower themselves and humble themselves before a mighty God. And as we start this new day in our church as City Tribe, the first thing I want to do is I want to go down here to the front and I myself am going to kneel, get on my knees before God and humble myself and beg and pray and contend for our city and pray for you that God would elevate you in your spirituality and connection to God and your ability and skill to be able to help and serve and love other people to make a difference in this world. And if you would like to elevate spiritually and if you would like to pray for our church and the future of it, I want to encourage, challenge, and welcome you to come join me on your knees in prayer at the front. If there's not room here, just go somewhere else in the aisle where people uh, don't have to step over you and let's beg God. Let's contend to God. Let's pour our hearts out before God and ask him to move and pour out his spirit in a significant way as we change the name of this church. Let's pray. You can stand up together and worship. And God, as we worship you here, what we're painfully aware of is that there are people, children, teenagers, men and women all over this city that are hurting and crying out for something that's real. And we pray that we would stay close to you, Jesus, so that we'd be well equipped to go to them and carry them on eagle's wings and bring them to you. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, Amen. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.